What has been going on in our country in the last few years, actually since 1973, has been something I would have never, as a young man, imagined uh, happening in our country, which is, of course, abortion. People have asked me before how I know, in fact, I've heard people condemn uh, the Germans. I'm talking about the German population. They condemn the German population, and, and they still do today condemned the German population during Hitler and, and wondered and have asked them, why didn't they do something about what was going on in Germany? There was a concentrated effort to kill and accomplished killing some 12 million people, 6 million Jews, 6 million gypsies and handicapped and people they didn't like. Over 12 million people were killed over a period of, you know, seven, eight years and after the war, there just was among, among the people who the Axis powers especially wondered, where were the German people when that was going on? And I ask you the same thing. Where are the voices? With that in mind, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 21, 22, let me talk to you a few minutes, it won't be long. Let me talk to you about God's plan. God's plan for this world. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 21, just two short verses. For the upright shall dwell in the land. Now, what's happening here with Solomon is he's telling you under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the ultimate end of it all. You know, it's been said, it's not how you begin that counts. It's how you end. I began rough. Uh, tomorrow began rough. I don't know the testimony. Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. Not began rough. A lot of you, I've heard the testimonies, and some of your testimonies, you began rough. Now, we all began unsaved, amen? We all began unsaved, every one of us. Some of us were saved. I was saved earlier in life than others. My dad was saved 33 years old, you know, but up to 33, he really never heard the gospel one time. And so he was, he was uh, as he described himself, he was a heathen. His family was a heathen. And he was a heathen. They didn't go to church. Never non-religious would be the word for heathen. And so he didn't go to church, didn't know about Jesus really, didn't know much about him. And uh, had seen the movie about the crucifixion. It was a silent movie. It was a silent movie. How many here remember when that was made? Never mind. You know, I could ask that question 38 years ago and a lot of hands were raised now. Well, the silent movie, I can't remember now who made it. But anyways, uh, it was a silent movie about the cross and the crucifixion, the Passion Week. And it was, it was he went, his mother took him to a movie house and watched that. And he was a kid and he knew whoever it was that died on that cross. So he kind of got the gist of the thing and knew it was important and wondered who that was. And so... He started rough, and maybe you started rough, and maybe you lived a period of time out into the world. Maybe there's people here today that know what it is to live in the world. They know what it is to live separate from God. They know what it is not to recognize God in their life. They know what it is to live their own will as pretty much the guiding will of their life. 
And maybe you started rough, but it's not how you start that's really going to count. It's how you end. The patriots know all about that. <laughs> to my chagrin, for some reason, the patriots throw them up in the air, they land on their feet. Hey. Yeah. Stop it, stop it. What do you want to have a spell here, brother? <laughs> I mean, they'll be behind, you know, 25 points one time. It was a Super Bowl, I think. 25 points behind, I figured finally they're going to lose. No. No, they somehow come and rally and win the game. So it's not how you start. It's not how you played the first four quarters. It's how you played, the, well, maybe, but the last, the last quarter, usually the decider on those. Basketball, football game, but in life it's that way. You may be 70 years old here today and not having really recognized God in your life, but if you trust Christ your Savior today, it's going to make all the difference in the world because you're going to end well. I've seen people get trust Christ their Savior in their 70s. I've seen people trust Christ their Savior as their Savior in their 80s. I've seen the oldest woman we ever had ask Jesus to save her was 103 years old. A few in their 90s. Not many, or not many people make it to their 90s. Come on. The crowd gets mighty small up there. And you say, Brother Bill, you haven't even read the verse yet. I know. <laughs> Proverbs 2.21, for the upright shall dwell in the land, for the perfect shall remain in it. That's the end game. But the wicked shall be cut off from the earth, and the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. I love the agricultural illustrations in the Bible. You know, 90% of America was agricultural in the 1900, 1900, if I got my demographics correct. 90% of America was agricultural. In other words, if I would bring up an illustration about uh, 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 killing chickens, 90% of the people, oh yeah, well that's the way we eat. We go out there, mom tells me to go get a chicken, whoop. You know, and, and they know what this meant. Today, it's the other way. 90% have never seen a chicken killed, have never killed a chicken, never plucked a chicken, never taken the uh, invisible little hairs off of a chicken that you're on it. And, and they, don't, they don't understand that they, chickens are not normally in saran wrap. After we would have our chicken killing party, I didn't want to eat chicken for a while, I'll be honest with you. I know some of you were tougher than I was, but I didn't want to eat chicken for a while. In fact, my mom would put them in the freezer and she'd say, well, in about a month, we'll start eating them. But man, they were the best eating chicken I ever had in my whole life. The ones you raised yourself, fed yourself, man. But in the end of it all, the, 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 the wicked, those that have stood away from God, they stood apart from God. They said, we don't want any part of you. They're going to have to answer to him. I, I can tell you here, every person that is here and, and conscious or unconscious, you're going to stand before Jesus Christ himself. You say, I'd love to see Jesus. You will. And you're going to answer eyeball to eyeball. God's just, and he's going to give you an opportunity to defend yourself. 
And here's what you're going to try to do if you don't know Christ your Savior. You're going to stand in front of him and say, well, you know, I've done a lot of good things. I mean, I, lay, I had old ladies go across the street whether they wanted to or not. I mean, I gave money to, uh, you know, when they had that March of Dimes, I gave a few bucks. And I, I talked to my accountant, which has been in accounting for about 40 years now, and she's done lots of people. And she said the average non-religious person gives about maybe $500 to $1,500 a year to benevolence. That's it. I can tell you the average independent Baptist, fundamental Baptist, gives about ten grand a year. And that's if they make 100000 In other words, they give 10% of whatever they make, just or more, most of them more. And it's thunder about that, by the way. How do you, why do you folks give so much? Because God's given us so much. Have you ever planted a garden? I'm talking to a non-agricultural group of people, but I'm going to give it a shot. You ever planted a garden? I went door to door the other day, and we stopped by a house, most ingenious gardening I've ever seen. They had these round cloth bags, pretty stiff bags with handles on them. And they had about six, seven of them in their front yard where you normally would have flowers. And they had, you know, carrots and and, and I, I forgot all the different vegetables. And I told the person who was with me, Lee, I said, Lee, look, the guy's growing a garden where people would normally grow flowers, and they look pretty good, but you can eat them. You can eat them. Most of you don't know carrots grow in the ground. <laughs> Potatoes grow in the ground. Do you know that? But if you try to do a, a garden, or a, and a, first thing you do is you turn the soil over. There's weeds everywhere, right? Amen? I always said to my wife, if, if good plants, you know the way it was before the fall. Before the fall of Adam and Eve, good plants grew like weeds. Amen? Why is it marijuana so easy to grow? You ever wonder why poppies are so easy to grow? You ever wonder why the drugs that people use to hurt themselves, it's, they're, they're usually weeds or the weed family. They just grow. You can throw them out. You can take marijuana, handle marijuana seeds, and just toss it out somewhere, and they'll all grow up. You don't have to worry about harvesting them. All people drive by, hey, wait. I grew up where the Amish used hemp rope. Hemp rope was marijuana. They grew it. They didn't smoke it. They grew it and made rope out of it. Until the 60s. Then all the kids stopped at that and they all of a sudden fell in love with the Amish. But the soil, you turn it over three times. Turn over once. You turn, and, and most of the weeds die. But then you turn over a second time. And then those who grew up after that will, will die. Then the third time you turn that thing over, it was, it's what they call sterilizing the soil. Another thing they do in Florida is they flood the field. Flood the field with water to kill the little nematodes, I think they're called. Little animals that feed on the roots of the plants. They drown them. And once you've drowned those little animals that feed on the roots, I think they're called nematodes. I don't know. I'm close. And then, and you, then you've turned the soil over three times. There's no parasites in the soil. There's no weed seed, seed or plant in the soil. You've sterilized it. Then you go ahead and plant your corn, your carrots, your beans, your tomatoes, your green peppers, your watermelons, and whatever you want. But there's a, there's a phenomenon that happens even after you do that. In about two or three weeks when the plants begin to come up, it takes about eight weeks to grow tomatoes, by the way. And so weeds grow up with them. 
They said, where did weeds come from? Weeds will begin to want to grow up with them. In a normal garden, if you're not real high tech, and these weeds, if you leave them unattended, they will choke most of the good plants that produce fruit. What's the difference between a weed and a, weed and a good plant? The good plant produces something fruitful, something useful, something that you can use for your life. The weed produces nothing for you. And so you leave it unattended. These good plants, not many of them will survive. And the weeds, one time I saw a farmer let his field go. And there's a weed here we have in Florida that grows about seven, eight feet tall. And I mean, it gets a stem on it, like, and it gets bark on the bottom of it, about that big around. And literally took the field over. Took the field over. I was amazed. I was amazed. Jesus spoke of the danger of weeds in our Christian life. Matthew chapter 13 was not our text. I don't expect you to go there. He talked about the parable of the sower. A man went out to sow. The, the, the seed the man sowed was the word of God in parallel. He sowed some upon the wayside, and it got trampled under. Some on stony ground, and some upon thorns. I want to read you what he says about the, one, the seed that went into the weeds or the thorns. He said, He also that received the seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word. And the care of this world, those are weeds. And the deceitfulness of riches. What, what's the deceitfulness of riches is that riches tells you you're in good shape when you're not. And so he says, these two things choke the good plant, the word. And what the end result of it is, it makes it unfruitful. What God is looking for is some fruit, some production, something for good. Before creation, even before the world was made, there was a weed started to grow up in the universe. His name was Satan. Satan is unfruitful. He's useless to God and anyone else. And uh, he's destructive and damaging to God's plan to have earth produce humans that would love and fellowship with him and produce spiritual fruit. The weed, Satan as it were, grew up among them and began to spread his death and destruction right from the get-go. And by the way, today the earth is infested with these weeds with wickedness. Since the original fall of Satan, then to Adam, these weeds have been growing as fast as kudzu. How many know kudzu? You Georgia folks, all these South Carolina Georgia folks, kudzu. Man, if kudzu produced something you could eat, you could solve world hunger. Right? You don't have to fertilize kudzu. You don't have to debug kudzu. You don't have to you don't have to prune kudzu. You just let it go, brother. If you ever, you doctor on the road, it'll take over. It'll go over trees. It'll go over bushes. It'll just, pretty soon you look, and it's just a mat of, of that vine, that kudzu vine. I don't think we have them here. I've never seen them here. But as every time I go by there, I think, oh, God, won't it be good to live in a world where good plants grow that easy? Oh, that's going to be good. But all God has been able to get out since the fall of man and the infestation of weeds is a few good plants. 
to grow up among the weeds. Nothing like he ever envisioned at the beginning. Nothing like the bumper crop that he wanted to have. But those nutrient-sucking, sun-blocking, choking weeds have infested God's world. But I have good news this morning. What I read in our verses, Proverbs 2, 21-22. Someday soon, God's going to take his holy herbicide out and his pre-emergent, and he's going to spray this whole world. And he's going to, here we go to the text, root out the infestation of evil and those that love it. Now, I'm asking you a question this morning. Which one are you? Which one are you? God is going to take his heavenly weed eater and cut out the wicked. I, I looked a few verses up. There's many verses, by the way. There's over 200 verses in the Bible that condemn the wicked or the weeds. And let me just read you a sampling of them to kind of give you an impact if I may say, maybe even a shock therapy of what the Bible says concerning the wicked or those that have rejected him or don't believe in him or have ignored him because all of those things may be true. First Samuel 2, 9, he says, the wicked shall be silent in darkness. In Job eight twenty two, he says, they that hate thee shall be clothed with shame. In Job eleven twenty, 20, he says, the eyes of the wicked shall fail. In Job 18, 5, it says, Yea, the light of the wicked shall be put out. In Job 21, 30, the wicked is reserved to the day of destruction. In Psalm chapter 7, verse 11, and I remember that from my old gambling days. 7-11. Oh, never mind. God judgeth the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked every day. Now, I know you got preachers out there saying that that's not so, but I just read the Bible. Psalm 9, 16 said, The Lord is known by his judgment, which he executeth. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. Psalm 9, 17 says, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. All they have to do is passively forget God. You don't have to actively hate God. Just passively ignore him. Psalm 11, verse 5, it says, But the wicked and him that loveth violence, God's soul or his soul hateth. I know you don't hear that preach much. Psalm 37, 34 says, Wait on the Lord, keep his ways, and he shall exalt thee and inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. If you're born again in here this morning, or in the voice of the internet, or wherever this goes, and, and you're born again, someday God says, you're going to see what I'm telling you happen. You're going to see it happen. Proverbs 5.22 says, his own iniquity shall take the wicked himself. He's caught. The wicked is caught in a catch-22. Proverbs 10.7 says, the name of the wicked shall rot. Isaiah 57.21, there is no peace, saith the Lord, to the wicked. Now look, that's just a 
sampling out of over 200 places in Scripture that condemn the wicked. In cutting off the wicked and in herbiciding them, God will be careful not to damage the upright. Now, I wish I could tell you that when I herbicided my stuff that I was that good. Sometimes when the wind's blowing and you have good intentions in herbiciding, you'll go out there and try to herbicide right beside some of your good plants. Problem is the wind kind of goes, and then you look and your good plant dies, but the weeds, they come back up. It's amazing. Amazing. I think of Sodom and Gomorrah. We learned something from the testimony of Genesis chapter 18. We learned a principle, really. And so Abraham drew near and said, Will thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? I thank God uh, Genesis 18 is in the Bible because it gives me comfort as a, as a believer. As a person who's trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, I get comfort by that. Because what I'm seeing going on in the world, I know that the wrath of God is coming upon it. And it's going to come upon it in a big way, not a small way, a big way. I know eventually it's going to root it completely out. And I wonder, in the midst, you know, because people that are saved are intermingled with unsaved people all over. I mean, you live in a trailer park. There's a lot of unsaved people. You're living, right, with me too. I live out in the country. And, and everybody that works, you work among unsaved people. People don't know Christ people, for one reason or another, by the way. But, but you work among them. If I may use it this way, the righteous are scattered among the unrighteous. The plants who produce fruit for God are scattered among the weeds. Or are the weeds scattered among the people who produce fruit for God? But any way you want to do it, boy, you know, the parable of the tares, I don't know if you ever remember that parable of tares, but he goes out there, you know, Guy had a field, sowed real good, and everything was good. And the enemy came at night and sowed tares, which, are, which look like wheat, but they're not. They don't produce any fruit. The difference between a tare and a wheat is a wheat look, looks just like a tare until they produce fruit. And the, the, the wheat will produce fruit and hang over, and the old tare sticks straight up because it don't produce anything. It doesn't produce anything. It's a wheat. And the old servants, uh, the master, well, how about we go out there and rip all them tares out? He said, oh, no. No, 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 no. Don't go rip them tares out because you, if you've done it, you get in the garden. And uh, you, rip, you rip something out, a weed grows, big old weed grows in beside your plant, and you grab that thing, rip it out, you rip half the roots of the good plant out. He said, don't do it. Let's somehow you rip up the, the righteous when you're ripping up the wicked. God and only God can do it that way. I could never do it. But the biblical principle here of the very character of God is stated. God does not plan on destroying those who have faith in him and trusted in Jesus whether looking ahead or looking behind, he's going to spare them against their, and if I say, even against their own will. Sometimes, sometimes people that trust in Christ are saved and are born from above, have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. Sometimes they do wrong. Sometimes they backslide. Sometimes they go back and fall back uh, among the wicked. But when God begins to separate the wicked from the righteous, some of those people are going to be separated whether they like it or not or whether even we understand it or not. How do I know that? Lot and his daughters. Do you, you know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah when an angel went in there, those two angels, 
Does it not distress you just a little bit that the angels had to grab them and haul them out? They were so attached to the world. They were so attached to the things of ungodliness that not speaking well of Lot, though he was called righteous Lot, just Lot, yet God grabbed them through the angels there, both the daughters and him and his wife, and hauled them out of the city against their will. And he sat and put them outside the city and said, leave and go into the mountains because we can't do, and this is what I love to hear, we can't do anything till you're gone. Now that was a whole city. Those were just, you were talking four people. He, he would have saved, he, he, he said, if you have 10 righteous folks, I'll save the whole city. But the truth is, he saved the whole city until those four righteous people were separated and going away from the city before he reigned upon Sodom and Gomorrah, fire and brimstone. The horror of it all, even in the midst of being saved, Lot's wife looked back. Turning into a pillar of salt. I hope you're not a born-again Christian mixed in with the world. So intermingled with them. So tied up with them. So your roots are so intermingled that when God comes for you, it'll almost kill you to get you out. I hope not. In Matthew 13, 49 the Bible says, so shall it be in the end of the world that the angels shall come and sever the wicked from among the just. Sever the wicked from among the just. Thank God for he'll do that. Thank God he'll do that. So what group of people this morning are you in? What group of people? There's only really two groups of people in the world. And I know the world wants to say there's all kinds of different groups, but the Bible is so clear that there's only just two groups of people. See, the Bible doesn't recognize color. doesn't recognize race, creed. No, it just recognizes whether you've trusted Christ, your personal Savior. You know him as your Savior. You know you've been born from above. The Spirit of God testified with your spirit that you're a child of God. You've asked Jesus to save you in simple childlike faith. It's not complicated. God made it easy that a five-year-old can get saved. you know Christ? Who are you? It's not, I like that old, I was listening to a sermon one time, old black preacher. I just like the way black preachers talk. I'll see if I can do a little bit of it here. <laughs> it's not green power. It's not black power. It's not right power. They say power like that. I don't know. But it's God's power. And boy, he was right. It's not about the colors. It's about God. Because God's power is the only one going to rule in the end. This old world's getting ready to get renewed. This old world, what I see going on today, this old world's getting sin sick and weed infested to the place that's not producing the fruit God is willing to live with. And whenever that time comes, he's going to call into that. And it's going to take the good plants out. They call it the rapture of the church. Because until, 
He's got to get the good plants out before he can deal with the weeds. Make sense to you? If you plant a garden, you've got a few carrots growing. You go out there and, you know, the weeds are taking over. And you go out there and you pull a few carrots. You know, they're in the ground. They grow in the ground. You pull a few carrots. You, pull, you grab a dick, a few potatoes out. And you say, okay, the rest of it is unfruitful. The rest of us know all weeds. And you go out and you get your old herbicide with a little pre-emergent mixed in with it. And you soak that baby real good. Or if you don't have chemicals, you take your plow and your John Deere tractor. Not No Kubota, huh? It's like a cuss word. Take your John Deere tractor and you go out there and roll that soil over. And you roll it over again. And you roll it over the third time and it's finally sailing. That's what God's getting ready to do this whole world. And I'm concerned about you. I want you to be a part of the God, good, God-producing, fruitful plant. Isaiah 66, 22 says, For as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed, in all the agriculture, your seed and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. Verse 24 of 60, the last chapter of Isaiah says, And they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me. I do not fully understand that statement, but I know God doesn't say anything superfluously. You with me? What is that? He says, and you will go out, go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me, for their worms shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched, and they shall be an abhorring of all flesh. All I can tell you, I don't want to be one of them. Revelation chapter 21, 6, 7, and 8 says, And he said unto me, It is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. Oh, he that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. And here's the verse, and you ought to mark it in your Bible, Revelation 21.8, but the fearful, the word fearful can mean cowards, translated cowards. The cowards the fearful, and unbelieving, and abominable. That covers 22 different things. And murderers, and whoremongers, that's all immorality. And sorceries, that's all supernatural, anything outside of God. And idolaters, that's anybody that worships anything other than God. And all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. You know, it's been said, if you, if you live once, you have to die twice. You die physically, then you have to eventually answer for your own sins, be, compared, be declared guilty, and be cast into the lake of fire. If you've been born twice, born again, you only have to die once. That's physical. And maybe a small group gets to be raptured 
and never experienced death. I'm for it. What do you say? I've seen death. I don't like it. I don't want to be part of it. I may be part of it, but I don't want to be part of it. I just saw Don McGarry go down to death. I don't want to be part of that process. Over and over again, the two were compared together. One group rejoicing in God, the other suffering, desolation, destruction. All I can say as I finish is, what group are you in this morning? It's time to quit messing with this thing. You don't know how long you're going to live. You don't know if you go out of here today, some crazy 20-something is going to wipe you out. I said that for the sake of the 90-year-olds that are driving. I mean, you can have the big one. I've been over to people. I, I visited Citrus Park, got a call, go to Citrus Park. And a woman says, please come, please come. My husband was mowing the lawn. This is why you should not mow your lawn. <laughs> my husband was mowing my lawn. He passed out. He's laying on the ground. By the time I got there, he was, he was cold, brother. He was gone. Here he was coming here, he was, he was, he was healthy. He, he was as healthy as tomorrow. <laughs> Tomorrow's a good example of what I'm talking about. He's a healthy man, had a physical every year, was, was a policeman most of his life, exercises, played tennis every day. I don't know how good he is, everybody plays tennis every day. And he goes in for the health, the guy says, you're blocked up, man. We got a bypass on you right now. Boom, 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 had a bypass on so man's heart. What? If anybody in here was going to have Bible, I, said, I wouldn't have said it had been tomorrow. But see, you can't figure that. And all I can tell you is death is going to come. It's going to surprise you, probably surprise you. You say, well, I'm going to get right with God sometime. I can tell you, right now is the time. I'm going to get saved someday. Today's the day. Today's the day. Forget about all. You say, I got some doubts. Let me tell you, if you'll ask Jesus to be your personal Savior and believe that he died and was resurrected the third day in simple childlike faith, all of them questions you got, they'll just all fade away. They'll all fade away. Those questions you have can be answered after you trust Christ as your Savior. But you know what I bet? You don't have any questions. I've seen it too many times. People say, well, what about evolution? What about this? What about that? What about this? Those are all roadblocks that the devil is trying to keep you from asking Jesus to save you. As soon as you ask him to save you, all of a sudden those questions, yeah, that wasn't important. I've, even, I've led somebody to Christ and said, now what about that question? And they'll say, what question? I don't have any questions, preacher. I just was throwing them roadblocks up. Once you ask Jesus to save you today. I'll be embarrassed. I don't care. Don't, be, don't worry about embarrassment. None of these people are going to stand before Jesus with you. Not one of them. I won't. They won't. Nobody's going to stand with you before Jesus. You're going to stand alone before your Creator. And if the Bible, if, and the Bible is true that Jesus said, "Don't call any man father." You've got one Father which is in heaven. The truth is, you're going to stand before your Father. Where will you be, Father? Help us this morning. May some people be saved today because. Your Holy Spirit has shown them Jesus dying for them, taking their sin upon himself so that they could have forgiveness as a free gift of eternal life. Free gift. Father, make it so.
There could be some here this, this morning as Christians that are mingling themselves with the weeds of the world. Oh, you know what will happen? They'll get choked. They'll get choked. If not careful, become unfruitful. Father, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.